Good evening from Los Angeles. This is Holiday Kirk, and you are listening to the New Metal Agenda. We have a very special guest for you all tonight. I am Holiday Kirk. With me today are my co-hosts, Zizi and Cran. How's it going? Greetings and salutations. Wolf Rambats was supposed to be here, but he has had some strange entanglements with the hose. According to him, we are wishing him the best. Tonight, we have a very special guest. We have uh, someone that I think is fair to describe as the pioneering art style of new metal. Jay Axer. Jay Axer, welcome. Uh, thank you. Hello, everybody. If the name Jay Axer hit your ears just now and you don't know who that is, but you like new metal music, I promise you know the guy. This man pioneered a very edgy, ahead of its time, and also extremely of its time style of creating and uh, cartooning our beloved bands uh, that has resonated throughout the ages. It's very good to have the man, the master on to walk us through that thought process. Jay, can you just give us a little introduction as to your art history or career? Uh, the whole thing? <laughs> this, well, uh... I want, yeah, I want from, I want from the top. I want I want from the very top. So the hospital you were born in, what time? What the stars? The star. Yeah, chart. I got all that. I got all that written down right here. You know, um, I warned you ahead of time. But um, <laughs> no, I, I'm really just. I guess I'm curious as to let's just say like in the '90s where you picked up this specific art style from because we were talking about this before jumping on. This feels like an art style that's just always been around. It's it, it feels to me like Corn recorded their self-titled debut with Ross Robinson at Indigo Ranch in California, and while they were there, they had a meeting to discuss what this art was going to be. Like it, it feels to me like it came out at the same time. But you are really the prognator of that. So if you could introduce, you know, your career to us a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, the art style itself kind of it, it was a weird time because artists back then were kind of separate compared to now too so to where i started at is uh i started art in my teens around when i was 16 years old so i was trying a bunch of different stuff uh the anime movement was starting to come in to america so i was picking up on that and uh what year was this uh, around 96 97 or okay. so when i started and then uh I was just kind of learned to draw because most of my buddies were actual artists at that point and already doing commission work and whatnot. Low key commission compared to what now is just freelance in general. And uh, I started kind of getting into anime. I started getting into a bunch of other art and it just didn't work out whenever I joined online communities, which back then were like web rings and crap like that because we're all ancient. I just kind of threw whatever onto the page that would stick that I liked and Along the way, uh, there was another artist, uh, Jonah Vasquez, who did a comic called Johnny Homicidal Maniac, uh, which some people may or may not be familiar with. It's a wonderful was, comic. Yeah, he was doing a really kind of angular style. We actually grew up in the same uh, city, but we're orbiting oh, wow. the same crowds at, at that time. So oh, everything kind of from different directions, people I knew. Uh, who had moved to the Bay Area, which is where I lived, and uh, Jonan doing his comic, and everything just started getting into this more aggressive expression from a lot of people who, at the time, quite frankly, hadn't been drawing for that long. So it was this weird mix of, well, we like angular stuff, we like angry stuff, and we don't necessarily know what we're doing, so we're not really held to any kind of standard. So that ended up around the end of like the 2000s, kind of well, we like angry music, so let's draw our angry music in an angry way. It, it, it evolved from there with a lot of influence, honestly, from uh, Jonan's work at the time, because that was kind of like a magnet for a lot of angry kids at the same time as well. 
if I knew how to draw better when I was doing it, then I don't think I would have done it that way. And then that resonated with a bunch of folks I knew, which resonated with other folks. And it just kind of became this universal style that people were doing. It kind of like the, the match was struck and then the fire was there and then it burned for a while and then the world forgot it. And then it's regurgitated now as this very nostalgic kind of thing. What is rock tunes? Because I always thought that rock tunes was a style, but it looks like it's more of a, a collective. Yeah. So rock tunes was started by a guy named uh, Tyler Martin, who was a cartoonist. He still is a cartoonist. We haven't spoken since the mid 2000s, I think it is, but he's around. And he just was like, I like drawing. I like bands. I'm going to draw some bands. I'm going to call it rock tunes. He made a site. He reached out to me because I was already drawing bands and was like, hey, do you want to kind of join up? And they recruited other artists. Uh, Some of those artists since then have kind of fallen off. Other ones have become weird celebrities in their own right. We had a JJ McCullough, who that's actually like a well-known Canadian YouTuber now for like culture videos and stuff like that. But uh, at the time, he was just kind of collecting anybody who did band work. And I worked kind of closely with him for about four years at the time. And that's when people were paying more attention to that kind of art style. And so it was all kind of collected on the Rocktoon site, which was Tyler's site. It was updated regularly with just expectations of bands and seeing what people wanted and whatnot. And it was really kind of, there was, it was black and white. People either really liked it or they really, really hated it. Whereas now, like there's this kind of nostalgia lens when people see that artwork, people actually really, really didn't like it at the time. And they're like, why aren't, why aren't there pupils in the eyes? You know, why are, they, why are people pointing for no reason? Why is everything spiky? And then if people really liked it, which enough did because Rock Tunes was oddly popular enough over time. Uh, sometimes posthumously, honestly, like I went to BlizzCon in 2019 and I had people come up for uh, rock tunes from back in the year 2000 to talk to me about that. So, and, and you know, here we are now. So it, it really kind of resonated with enough people over time. It was, it was a bit of a, a snowball effect and then it kind of disappeared and then uh, came back, I think 10 years later. And then again, more recently in the past like, two, three years or so that people have been like, oh yeah, I remember this place. But yeah, that was actually Tyler's website was how that started. I think that the Rock Tunes reappreciation resurgence has been sort of something like a, a, the way people feel in response to whatever that modern corporate art style is called. Um, yeah, I don't yeah know. the weird kind of rounded, blocky. Yeah. Thing. Corporate Memphis. That's what it's called. Corporate Memphis. So and especially when it comes to stuff too, like AI art, where there's like sort of a, a homogenization of what qualifies as quote unquote good art. I think that there's a reappreciation for art that was trying really hard to be its own thing and came out kind of cringe, but also, you know, really yeah. resonant at the same time. And I think that's why rock tunes and your art style in particular coerced so well with new metal, because it was like you guys were doing the same thing at the same time. And uh we actually have our own weird like uh, parallel history because when I was building up my new metal account, I had just posted a picture I had had in my phone for like two years. You might be familiar with the character. It's the character Tails from the Sonic franchise. I had had this picture in my phone of him wearing Junko jeans and holding a gun. And I was like, yeah, I'll post this. And I called it Nine Inch Tails and it went super viral. And I started to feel bad because I was like, I have no idea who drew this. Like someone out there has got to get their credit and then someone tagged you under it because you had done like an updated version of it too. So 
I guess Wait, like, was you're it... telling me that somebody stole artwork from Jay Axer. Get out of town. Actually, actually, I'm not telling you somebody stole artwork from Jay Axer. I'm telling you that I stole artwork from Jay Axer. Well, technically, That's because I follow Jay on Twitter and I see a lot of people have taken his artwork. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably a stolen version of a stolen version of a stolen version back before people were even thinking about stealing art. Nor did I claim I drew it. But again, I digress. So, but I am glad that somebody came along and was like, hey, I know this guy. Um, so were you like, was it like sort of in tandem when you were exploring the outer reaches of edginess, you were drawing new metal bands and Sonic fan art at the same time? Well, yeah, because I was in a group of friends who were like in the, the, like Sonic fandom at the time, like people who were just playing games and we're like, oh, Sonic characters, cartoon characters, we'll draw those. One of the people who actually came out of that, that was a buddy of mine at the time is uh, Tyson Hess, who did the redesign for Sonic for the Sonic movie. So turned ugly Sonic into less ugly Sonic for the movies. Whoa. So a lot of like artists came out of that wow. specific arena at that time. And we all kind of still know each other, which is interesting considering how that was very, very long ago. But uh, I was doing commission work at the time because I couldn't get a job elsewhere. I was moving around too damn much. So I was like, I guess I'll just draw pictures for people for money. And the Nine Inch Tails picture was actually a commission for an individual who was like, yeah, my character is basically Tails, but I just spell Miles with a Y instead of an I. And he just said, like, that's mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what everybody was doing that. You're telling me this isn't supposed to be uh, Tails from Sonic? That's like a whole trope about the Sonic fan base is all their OCs (laughs) are just slightly reskinned Sonic characters. I guess I was wondering where the hair came from. So now I know. If I were to guess, that was probably that guy's hair at the time. And he just was like, what if I put my hair on it? Now it's like, it's like me. Uh, They were a really cool, nice dude who paid very well and was just one person in a long line of people who commissioned artwork. And I did that picture and I did a bunch of other pictures like that because I was also on my own doing a lot of art like that. Because at the time I wasn't really concerned whether things were edgy or not. I was just doing what I liked and there's a lot of freedom in that. And so now when, when people see it, it's ridiculously edgy and completely out of the norm but at the time if you really look back at what a lot of younger artists were doing kind of around that point on the internet it was a lot of art kind of like that it represents where a lot of people's art was going you mentioned earlier that you know with like the rock tune style it's kind of a lot of people sort of homogenized into that arena at a time where homogenization was less than now you know like right now if you post online and you want to get popular, you're most likely going to be doing a version of something that's already been done, or you're going to do it in the style that everybody already appreciates. So sometimes you'll see multiple pieces of art. You couldn't tell who did which one because they all look the same. Back then, everybody was kind of going in as many different directions as they could. People usually considered someone better if they were doing very much their own thing, except for situations like that, where like that style came around. Everybody's like, oh, let's just collectively start doing this because this is what's hot. And that kind of led into where we are now, where that trending, you know, art trends and stuff like that. If you're not part of it, then you get left behind. It's just, I think it maybe evolved a little too much in that direction. But yeah, back then it was just doing a lot of, uh, that's a bit of a tangent, but it just, I was just doing a lot of what I thought was cool. And when you're a young kid, you know, a sword and a gun and a wallet chain and baggy pants, when everybody's dressing like that at your high school is pretty cool. And I want to be I want to be really clear about something. When I'm saying edgy, I'm using that as a term of 
affection. Mm-hmm. I, I actually may have taken this for granted, but I do I do hope you know I'm a very genuine appreciator of new metal, new metal culture, right? This yeah. isn't like a funny meme to me. No, no, I feel that. Yeah, Great. Yeah, okay, phew. It just occurred to me that that might not have been clear. Uh, yeah. Nothing's I, ironic on this show. We're genuine <laughs> new metal lovers. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely love it. And um, I think what, I think the vindication here, I thought it was really funny. I found your page on sonic.fandom.com which is probably like the library of Alexandria of worth of words. It's funny that it, 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 it has to note that at the time you were depicting Sonic characters with machine guns and violence, yep. which, you know, ended up curve. just becoming a part of Sonic, yeah. literal Sonic. Mm-hmm. About five I, years after you would have been doing this, that's when we saw Shadow make his debut on the PS2 with a gun in his hand. So I think that I think you were ahead of the curve in that regard, too. I don't know if you ever had any involvement with Team Sonic. I did uh, reach out and we're like, hey, we want to make this shit R-rated. No, I was actually on the opposite side because, yeah, the Sonic franchise took a weird departure with Shadow, where I think they were trying to get into that kind of aggressive attitude because the fan base was growing up, right? They were little kids and early teens. And then by the time Shadow came around, a lot of those fans were the same folks. So they were like, well, these kids like guns now. Let's put guns in here, I guess. I worked on uh, one of my earlier jobs was I worked on the American Archie Sonic the Hedgehog comic book. I was an artist on that. And just a few years prior to the shadow game, they put new rules in place specifically because of me, because I was drawing firearms and loading firearms in a children's comic book, which was not quite appropriate. And so my only run in or like near working around Sega was just on that book where they were like, please don't do any of this. We absolutely don't do this. This is not allowed. And then they started putting the games and stuff out. And that was at the same time where, like you said, I was doing weird comics for fun previously where just Sonic characters were lock and loading and brutally killing each other. Cause I mean, we had what MTV deathmatch and stuff like that on television around that time. There was just like a very big air of violence and it wasn't really taken excessively serious at the time. It was just kind of a way to let off steam. I got a lot of shit for it back then from just people in general who were like, why, you know, why is this so hyper violent? Why are you pushing this envelope of all envelopes? And it was just, now it's extraordinarily tame. Yeah. It's like now you look back and it's like sometimes I'll get like younger teens who come by and they see all this stuff for the first time and they're like, why did you do like this lame version of what we have now? And it's like, yeah, it didn't exist. That's why we were just, we were doing it for the first time. You were the you trailblazer. Everything. You owe everything to me, kid. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come to think of it, I think Sonic Team owes you something too, because uh, they did the shadow thing with guns way after you were doing that. It's like they were looking at your work and thinking, "Huh, how could we? How could we spend this for our own profit?" I wouldn't be shocked if they were like looking at the axe or core stuff and thinking, "Okay, we could get to this." I so, but no that's idea. why they told you not to do it because <laughs> yeah. they wanted to take it. I was Please. just thinking that too. I was like, "It was like he's beating us to the punch. We we need to get in on this. We got to muscle him off our turf." So Sonic aside, did you ever have any direct run-ins with the bands that you were drawing art of? Like, I was wondering, were any of these licensed or did you ever do official work? Uh, not with like, not with like Corn and stuff, specifically with Corn. Uh, one of their merchandise licensors reached out to me at one point because of the Corn image I did on Rock Tunes, which that and the later on the Linkin Park one and a couple of those ended up becoming like mass pirated there's folks now who still show me stuff and I'm just like, Oh wow. I had no idea that that was there. Fun thing was through rock tunes. Cause at the time it was not legal and it still 
technically is not really legal to sell merchandise of uh of bands and and existing ips and things but people just kind of do it because they're under the radar because companies don't want to go after them but back then tyler's like hey let's sell some shirts and whatnot of these band images we do and cafe press was the go-to place which is essentially a glorified iron-on printing place and uh so we set up to sell shirts and we sold very little of those shirts i think i made $40 profit ever off of rock tunes, but pirates making honestly, probably better merchandise at the time, or at least a lot more of it made a hell of a lot more money than I ever saw. <laughs> so a lot more people bought that pirated stuff than ever bought anything through us at the time, which is really funny because the interest was low in the moment, but the interest where we were was low, but especially overseas, like that stuff caught like wildfire. And there was never any official band interest. So the corn licensee uh, or licensor <laughs> came uh, came uh, calling and basically did this very aggressive sales pitch with me saying like, hey, we want to use this. We want to put this on shirts. You'll see it in Hot Topic. You'll see it everywhere. Kind of the exposure speech, right. you know, like, right. trust me, you know, this will make your career or whatever. And I was already kind of doing a lot of work elsewhere. So I, when I asked them how much, they're like $200. I'm like, for the design wow. perpetuity in perpetuity or one of the like, bands yeah. that at the time was one of the biggest acts on mtv too that's yeah, I, just, I was like dude I, I just bought a magazine with this band i just went to one of their shows and now i'm on the phone with you and you're telling me no royalties 200 dollars one-time fee full rights transfer fuck off so um i yeah i told him fuck off uh that that was the last i heard from anybody that way one other band that got a hold of me was the band Sugar Ray, who had gone actually to more like pop from a pseudo punk at the time. So that's not really new metal, but I actually did do work directly with that band later. You did? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, they I'd done a rock tune of them and they really liked it. So their community manager reached out and was like, the band wants to do specific ones for their site or for some shirts. Would you want to do it? And I thought I was going to work through the community manager, but actually I ended up just talking straight with the band and they just hopped on the phone and they made like a little commission list. They're like, oh, can I show you photos of like what I want to wear in the picture and do all this? And they sent me like a boatload of free shit too. They paid for it all. They paid really well. And then they sent me a bunch of free stuff, invited me out to shows and did all this, this kind of cool stuff. So that was pretty nice. Beyond that, oh, that I did kicks some. Ass. Yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> really awesome. cool. Um, I did some punk magazine illustrations. So some punk bands reached out. Billy Joe from uh, Green Day was like, "Oh, tell him, tell him I like his work." So I told, I told the magazine to tell him I like his music, and that was about that. That that interaction went. But the image I did for Lincoln Park, that one I submitted to an art contest they did, and so they picked it out of five and sent me a signed LP and some other stuff. But there was never any like official business dealings beyond like the Sugar Ray thing. It, I never merchandised anything officially corns reaching out that one time was all that ever really coalesced on any super official channel so my stuff didn't get in too hot topic but some weird other derivative stuff did would you say that lincoln park image is your most stolen piece of work because i've seen it in some pretty fucking wild places like some wild bootleg lps of theirs um that and the corn one yeah i would say magazine ran the corn one without permission uh in a with an interview of like jonathan davis talking about playing video games and 
I actually had to reach out to them. I'm like, where do you get this? And they said, my PR department gave them permission. I'm like, dude, it's just me. It's just your me. PR department. I, I am my PR department. I'm just a kid <laughs> over here. I drew this. You stole from me. So I had a lawyer friend at the time. And he's like, I'll just write him a letter. So they ended up having to pay for that. But it wasn't like a big time magazine. They went out of business like three months later. Anyways. Because of you. No, not because of me, <laughs> but probably because yeah, of Yeah, yeah. I hit on my lawyer like friend that. and we drove those fuckers out of business. You might have heard of them. They were they were called uh they were called Melody Maker. Yeah. Yeah, it was Melody Maker. We fucking ran Melody Maker into the ground. Remember <laughs> the name, asshole. <laughs> Your face. It was it was it was a weird situation. I I I would guess probably the Lincoln Park one, but yeah, the, the corn one and Lincoln Park one tend to show up in a lot of places it's weird seeing that pop up too because i was a kid you know so it's like kind of looking through a weird photo book uh, that i kind of forgot about for a while whenever it pops up and what is uh, the weirdest place you've ever seen your art used uh somebody somebody tattooed the lincoln park one on they they tattooed it a tattoo artist tattooed it on oh their god. wife's chest oh my god weird placement for it oh my oh god oh my god i need the photo where's the photo <laughs> i don't have it Come on, no. <laughs> that was a long no, time no, ago no, no. we have to we're putting on a nationwide search i need to see this no it, fucking it way. may exist you this can't cannot be lost to the ages that's yeah. so weird that is such a terrible tattoo. Oh my god! <laughs> it wasn't very good either. The tattoo no, and no quality offense, was Jay. not great. No offense. It, no, I just think it's it a was, really bad tattoo. It was like it. It ended up looking like a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. So we started bad and this got worse. So yeah, it didn't. Oh. It didn't turn out very well either. <laughs> We've Are you familiar with the uh, the bootleg Lincoln Park record that was a collection of B-sides, I think, called Under Attack that your work was featured on the cover? I know he is because I tagged him in it. Yeah, I was made aware of that when you tagged me. I didn't. You hadn't seen that before? I hadn't seen that. that That's oh my God. The, one of the craziest so, things I've ever seen. Hold on. So so yeah. I posted. So <laughs> I had found I, someone sent it to me. Someone sent it to me. And I didn't realize that this is something that someone put effort into and distributed. But yeah, it's the song Crawling. By Lincoln Park with a bunch of 9-11 audio edited over it. And that made it onto a bootleg, I guess a 9-11 themed Lincoln Park bootleg of B-sides. And yeah, it's a crosshair on the World Trade Center. And our friend here, Jay Axer's art in the corner, the juxtaposition of which makes it look like Lincoln Park did 9-11. So yep. that's all this shit. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought that would win. It still might be the weirdest place Jay's ever seen some of his but that art. The tattoo is fucking crazy. There was uh when I I posted the the Lincoln Park one earlier this year and some folks started sending me stuff where they had seen it and one was a foreign police truck on the back where they yes. had then drawn in a riot shield and like batons and stuff so just, they just stole the Lincoln Park image and co-opted it for the the police vehicle which is a weird one. Yeah, it, they pop up all over the place which is just really wild. Why do you think it has such resonance? If I were to guess, which is all I can do, is art presence was a lot less back then than it is now. You could look anywhere, you'll find a billion pictures of anything. But back then, there was a lot fewer artists with presence online. And, mm. you know, fan art will resonate, resonate with people. And so a lot of people were into those bands at that specific time with that art. And it's linked at a very pinpointed time in people's development, you know? And I think it's just kind of held because of that. It's just, it just felt right to people. And now they hold on to it. So it's still around because of that. Like at the time, I guess it would make sense, you know, if it's popular then. But the fact that it's still showing up today 
I really do think there's just a huge form of nostalgia um, for just even that time. Like, you know, if it weren't for the bands, the, the art wouldn't show up. So the art just is kind of this little extra part of loving the band and loving the music. And that's a good point you made, though. If like now, if I if right now I wanted to go find some Linkin Park fan art, I'd have, you know, a couple to choose from. But in <laughs> 2001, Rock Tunes was, you, was probably like your first and last stop. And it yeah. seems like and it seem it seems like they were hosting pretty high res versions of it. So if you were going out to try to find some Linkin Park or Corn fan art, that it would probably take you there first. And that would just be, you know, where you'd pull it from. But the sincerity of it, I think you're also making a you're touching on a, a, a great point that I'm always making overall, which is that uh, a lot of the elements and the tenets that make new metal into a quote unquote bad form of music is just raw sincerity and people pushing to express themselves beyond the capabilities of their of their artistic limitations. So it's like cringe and it's like bad, but it's also incredibly sincere. And when it connects with people, it, it stays there forever with yeah, it really yeah. hits you. And I think that the art is the same way where I think uh, I know, you know, millions of kids saw this and were like, oh, that's cool. That appeals to me. And I also bet I could copy that down pretty well onto my school binder or my wife's chest or something like that. Yeah. Or a police, <laughs> a police vehicle. Or a fucking why not? police vehicle. Yeah, I really want to see the, I want to see a police vehicle. Once if, so you leave, if you look at the thread, I can link it to, I can link you to it later. But yeah. but to go to your point. Yeah, I think it was just a really sincere commitment to what felt like aggression but was also vulnerability and if you commit 120 percent to something and somebody says it's cringe like you're too loud to hear them say that you know back then um like when i was saying earlier like i wasn't thinking about it as as edgy or anything i wasn't thinking about labeling anything i did and most people i was around weren't either there was just what you enjoyed and what you didn't and a lot of those bands were really that way you know what i mean and people collectively just enjoyed this stuff and weren't really, at least in my circles, worrying about whether it came across as lame. Like, yeah, li extremely literal lyrics about, you know, being unhappy and angry about something can come across as unpoetic, uh, amongst other things. But it was sincere. And that's why it resonated with so many people. Like, if I watch or listen to, I guess, like Papa Roach Last Resort, like... Most people, it's going to be comical, but like I was on the streets with my buddy, like passing out flyers when nobody was listening to him before they went to Times Square. People were people were really, really, really into it. It's just it's just harder to do that now with everybody connected. Everyone's a critic, and now you've got the entire world as your critic if you post on Twitter or or any social media, which is you know gallery sites, which we used to use for art, are kind of on an all time low. So everything's going to be you know Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, so on. And the moment you post something up, if you go a little too outside the immediate zeitgeist, people are going to give you shit. And so then you've got to qualify everything. Nobody was really trying to qualify stuff back then. They were just doing it. That's a great point, too, about the qualifications, because it's like when you drew this stuff, you were probably drawing it and just going, man, this shit looks so cool. Whereas now somebody drawing this might put it up and frame it as like, LOL, how lame is this? Right. Mm -hmm. There yeah. was no ironic distance. You were just like, God, this looks badass. This looks so badass. Yeah, irony wasn't really in vogue at the time. It, we weren't really necessarily thinking of sincerity either. You're just kind of putting raw versions of whatever out there. I mean, at the time, I was just like, hey, I like Thing. I'll do something of Thing, too. I never thought I was particularly great. So I was just like, well, I hope people like it. And that's that's literally as far as it went. 
but yeah, nobody was really doing things excessively ironically at the, at the time. So it was what it was and that was it. Where are you hailing? Uh, right now I'm in Orange County. Oh, Southern, Southern California. Yeah. Oh shit. This guy's like Z, this guy's like, yeah, pretty close to miles us. from here. <laughs> More than a couple of miles, but still. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know where anything in this goddamn state is. Um, you guys should invite him to Loathe. Oh, yeah. You got to go to Dea de los Deftones. When? It's uh, November 5th, I think. Or Saturday, November 4th, November 5th. It's down in San Diego. It's a big festival that I think is sold out by this point. But yeah, Deftones headlining. But the resale yeah. ticket market is very reasonable these days. <laughs> <laughs> so Man, I've, I've been I've been indoors for two years. That's where I've been <laughs> under, under a rock. But uh, Jay's over it. He's gotten tired of being out. recognized out in public. Uh, for his yeah, own. that's it. That's what's going. On. <laughs> <laughs> he's he over. Stop it. wearing that. I'm the guy who did rock team shirt. Yeah, he's. Hey, I made your fucking childhood magical. <laughs> I woke up feelings in you. Remember that? Remember that shit? It's really interesting because I've I've gone in a, a lot of circles and my career's taken me all over the place. Um, and it, most people wouldn't know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, as far as people I've encountered in the the like art career I've had, but every once in a while you get somebody who's extremely hype about it, and and it's just like we said, it's extremely sincere. It's always like genuine excitement, and uh, I wish that, I wish there was more of that for most things. To be honest with you, I guess if you were doing art around the time that this kind of stuff was exploding, I think we're probably close to the same age group. And I got to say, I don't think we were capable of that level of irony back then. Like everything was pretty sincere. Well, uh, we were figuring everything out, at least uh, in the circles I ran in. I mean, the internet was young. Um, exactly. Nobody was poisoned yet. Yeah. People weren't making it their full-time job to misinform people. It was People still had dreams of, well, of the grand library of the internet and people were trolling, but there was still a lot of just genuine, hey, let's come together and do something awesome. I remember I used to visit this one Slipknot fan site every single day, sometimes two or three times a day when I could get on my grandma's dial-up computer. That's that's the age group I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And Jay, where were you on Woodstock 99? Uh, wondering how they would have thought that that would have turned out any other way. Well, you were home. Well, you, were, <laughs> you were you were there, right? No, no, I wasn't there because uh, I I had friends who wanted to go, and I was like, "That's not a good idea." I didn't, Kirk. Think. You asked that like where he was on nine eleven. Like, where were you on Woodstock ninety nine? <laughs> Except it seemed accusatory almost. Yeah, like I, that, I don't. I don't actually never understand. Forget. Like he threw the first rock or lit the first fire or something. <laughs> <laughs> So I was I was surfing the plywood with Fred Durst. Where the fuck do you think I was? Plywood. <laughs> when he said break stuff, oh, you felt that? Yeah. Um, no, I was I was at home. Um, I I was going through some stuff at the time. This was with the, the you were suing the magazine at the time. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> he was in and out of court. Yeah, put them in the. He ground. was addressing the allegations. He's addressing the new allegations. So, Jay, why don't you just let the people know, though, what do you got going on now? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you like weird stuff that sometimes wraps back around to rock tunes and other things. Uh, I'm on Twitter at just J-A-X or J-A-Y-A-X-E-R. Beyond that, I have my stuff out in games. I was lead artist on Hearthstone over at Blizzard for a while, so that has a whole bunch of my stuff in it. But beyond that, I pretty much live under a rock. So if you don't want to see me on Twitter, it's going to be hard to see me. But you can always look up old rock tunes on the Wayback Machine, and uh, we're on there. <laughs> or on people's wives' chests. Yeah, at least one. 
And ma'am, if you're listening, please contact us. We, we'd like to have you on for an entire interview of your own, mostly consisting of why and also why. <laughs> Jay, do you do commission? Uh, not anymore. No, I just do full-time uh, studio work and then just kind of do my own thing outside of it. So if a certain podcast was looking for you to dust the rocks tune style off to create something for that podcast, how would they go about this? Uh, yeah, just DM me. <laughs> I mean, that's he, he's speaking to me now, folks. Don't you DM him? It's a, yeah, it's so, a one-time so, offer. So I, I've only got one, one left, and then I'll just die. One he's last got one rock. <laughs> he's, got, he's got one rock tune left in him, and then you're, he expires. You're yeah. One last time, a new sword, but this is it's for rock tunes. Yeah, we've got to pick our battles. I'm trying to figure out if I want to bootleg a Sonic character, or get a rock tune. God damn! It's All a right, choice. Well, thank you, Jay, so much for Have joining us. us. As Sonic characters pointing guns at 9-11. Jesus. <laughs> Jay's like, all right, we're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to get a studio for that one, buddy. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. It's not the first time this has crossed my mind. So Pointing guns I'm at sure 9-11. The last. <laughs> not the Twin it. Towers, just the, the phrase 9-11. Okay. Not the calendar. <laughs> Let's make it the last. Jay, thank you so much for stopping by. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to fill in this bit of uh, new metal lore with you. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank Every- you for your time, Jay. I really appreciate it. To everyone at home listening, uh, that's going to be a wrap from us. This has been the New Metal Agenda. Remember to always be listening to New Metal. Bug your friends, family to listen to New Metal as well. Irony is very overrated and have yourselves a great night.